Hey guys, uh, welcome back to the Common Ground Podcast. I'm Sophie. I'm Amy. And I'm Vanessa. And today we're going to be chatting about purity culture, what purity culture means, experiences that we've had with purity culture and the teachings around that. Um, Yeah, so let's get straight into it. So um, let's start off with the question, what do we think purity culture is? Amy, what are your thoughts? Um, So for me, I've got a real difficult relationship with the terminology purity culture just because for me anytime the word purity has been mentioned in church it always feels very heavy in terms of it's all the don'ts rather than all the do's so uh to me when I hear purity culture I just hear a list of things I can't do can't touch or things that make me sinful or, or impure so personally my relationship with purity culture is pretty separated that is as much as possible I try not to engage in that culture but instead actually understanding genuine purity yeah itself yeah what about um you Vanessa what kind of relationship do you have with purity culture what's your kind of when you hear that term like what kind of feelings does that stir up or what is in your head your kind of definition of of what it is um i think really similar to amy in the sense that um i don't really have a a good view a good experience of purity culture um so i didn't grow up a christian i didn't sophie and i both said this neither of us grew up in a christian household um my i didn't reach church i didn't go into church until i was 17 um, and didn't really get serious about church until maybe a little bit later. So for me, um, my first experience of purity culture was at summer camp when I was um, 17 years old, and it was basically somebody sitting at the front talking about don't have sex, you know, don't don't touch boys in inappropriate places or don't let them touch in inappropriate places and um they used to have like that analogy of somebody standing on a chair and it's easier for them to pull you down than for you to pull them up I don't know if you guys have experienced that analogy or the sellotape analogy where they basically stick it and each time they they stuck it down and unstuck it it basically got less sticky which I'm not really sure what they were trying to say like looking back I think that's a very toxic way of teaching about sex but that's definitely the two ways in which I learn about it so it was, it was almost this picture of if you keep having sex or you keep you know engaging in these relationships that are outside of the boundaries of which God created you basically keep losing parts of yourself and then at the end when you meet your husband or at the end when you meet your partner you are offering less of yourself as opposed to the hole in which God created you to be um so as a 17 year old I, I didn't know that that was wrong I was like okay cool okay well that's what they're saying and you know these are people who are older and uh seem to be wiser than me but 10 years on I think that's horrendous way to teach about sex and to teach about relationships and I would never do that with my current youth girls like that I just think that's a very toxic way um, and I'm sure people who um, would have been at the same camp as me, you know what camp I'm talking about. I'm not going to say it because it's like a really well-known church. Um, they also have similar experiences and it's almost this, 
idea of shame like it, they shame you into being quote unquote quote unquote pure and I think we're all old enough to know that shame doesn't motivate shame just shames surprise surprise um so that would be my experience of um purity culture what about you Soph? yeah I think um well actually before I before I answer that should we just kind of define what purity culture is for anyone who may not kind of know um what we're kind of talking about and um as we've spoken before in this podcast you know both well both all three of us we are all um christians we're all practicing christians we went to bible college um from a pentecostal background um and so we believe in jesus we believe in the bible and as part of that we believe in not having sex before marriage and that's something we kind of do want to make clear on this um topic we as we're chatting about this we are not in any way saying that we do not believe that um we should be not saving ourselves for marriage we we definitely um feel like that is a central thing um to to our belief system um it's what the bible says and we want to just make that very clear when we're talking about purity culture we're talking more about the way that um abstinence is maybe taught in churches um the way that uh being pure um and keeping our bodies you know pure for our husband um is more of the focus rather than our relationship with god sometimes um and just kind of the toxic lies that can come from teaching around sex in 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 a, in a negative light the fact is, is that sex is an amazing amazing gift that god has given us um and so often that gets warped into something that's that's negative and that is part of what purity culture is it, it's toxic um kind of lies and shaming and, and fear-mongering as well um about keeping yourself for marriage and, and keeping yourself pure and um i feel like often and and this might be different for other people but often it is very much aimed more at women than it is men um that's been my experience and if i was to go on and, and talk about my, my kind of experience in my relationship with purity culture it's definitely always been from a place where i felt that um women get more uh what's the word more pressure yes i feel like more pressure pressure is the right term it's more of a thing um and that women are more responsible for that and i'm not saying that's the truth in in all situations i just know personally for me that's my relationship with with purity culture is that i'm the one that's responsible for keeping myself pure i need to keep myself pure and um for my future husband and you know it can be really really dangerous because it means that that sex isn't spoken about in a healthy way um and that's something that's really important. The amount of stories that I know of, of girls, you know, entering into marriage and having such a hard time um, with, with having sex or the ideas around sex 
um, you know, there's a lot. It's, it's quite scary, actually, how many conversations I've had with people who have just been so terrified or so guilty, even once they are married, they then feel guilt because they've gone from suddenly, you know, being told that it's, you can't do it, it's a sin, it's really bad, to, oh, now you're allowed to do it and it's suddenly beautiful and not being taught that kind of like transition very well or not knowing how to understand that transition. And um, yeah, so I think that's kind of my own personal relationship with, with purity culture is that it, it's always felt like I'm the one as a woman who've had to deal with that more than a guy would. And that comes in all sorts of aspects that comes in. It's my responsibility to be modest and cover my body it's my re- I'm responsible for the guy's purity as well as my own like if I'm in a relationship I'm the one that's responsible it's not an equal thing between the pair of us um and that sex you know isn't well that that girls don't don't want sex that sexual desire isn't something that a girl can have or a woman can have um, those kind of things are, are definitely purity culture kind of lies, I think, that get fed into um, the kind of culture and, and church culture in general. Um, so, yeah, it, girls, anything you would add to like the definition that I might have kind of said? I don't know if it was a bit waffly, but anything else that you would kind of add? No, it was really great. Um, I think. I think anything I would add is that I think now we're all in a place where because we're older and you know we've been following Christ for quite a while now we all recognize that the purpose of our purity isn't some future guy that's mysterious up until we meet them and we settle down and we get married the purpose of purity is has always been and always will be our relationship with Jesus and I think another reason why I think the way in which purity can sometimes be taught is so toxic is it kind of stops at marriage so everything is like don't do this don't do this don't do this don't do this and then you're married but you still need to maintain that level of purity once you're married like there are still aspects of it that you have to maintain post-marriage and it doesn't always have to do with making sure that you know you don't um you don't cheat on your husband or cheat on your wife it, it it's literally about you making sure that you're always trying to present yourself to to God in a way that is humble and in a way that you're, you know, always seeking to be more like Jesus. And that is what purity is, not I'm saving myself for some man someday and I'm going to present myself to be whole and we're going to get married and live happy ever after, because that's definitely not what it is, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Um, and something I just, I just realized as well, actually, whilst you're talking something else to kind of add to like this purity culture definition, I I do think to a certain extent it encompasses dating, um, your dating life as well, how you date this pressure of like only dating the people that you, you, you know, the amount of girls and girls that I speak to who are like the person that I have to date has to be the person that I'm marrying and that's it. And like this emphasis on you meet someone, 
they're the person and then you go on to marry them and the pressure of like so many unhealthy relationships develop and then end up actually in divorce or because they feel you know they can't get out of a, a dating situation because they're like oh no I've committed and I can't escape or whatever but just general and now when I say dating I, I don't mean sleeping around that is not what I'm talking about at all I'm talking about you know dating different guys girls you know trying to figure out like if people fit together um I felt even you know coming into church at around about uh 19 that the dating culture was very much like just very odd and that you know the person that I started dating next would be my husband and there wasn't any room to make mistakes or there wasn't any room to not think that they were your husband or not kind of try something out or um and I remember hugely I remember like that stupid book like I Kissed Dating Goodbye which is a really old book now and so strangely the guy who even wrote it has actually gone back on what he said if for those who don't know what I Kissed Dating, um, Kiss Dating Goodbye is about it's a book written by a guy called Joshua Harris where he says essentially talks about it, it's complete purity culture talks about not kissing not dating beforehand and um and he actually ended up years and years later kind of renouncing all of that stuff he's actually not even a christian anymore um but he even said like this what i wrote i don't believe it and i don't think it's it's real and so when i went to you know started at church i i felt like if i was in a relationship then i had to be married to, i was going to marry that person and the amount of times I even saw people giving prophetic words to teenagers who were together about them getting married and about them doing amazing things together was scary. And it's all of these, this pressure. And I do think purity culture um, is, about, is about that as well. I just want to add really quick about that prophetic, uh, when people speak prophetic things. The number one rule to prophetic uh, speaking is no mates, no dates, no babies. Hmm. If anyone tells you any of those three, you need to go chat to Jesus and ask what just happened. Never will someone give you your mate's name, a date, or a baby. That is for Jesus to directly tell you. If he really wants to tell you, he'll tell you. He won't do it through a person. I just want to add that as a disclaimer, especially in this culture we're so obsessed and we're so driven by relationships that we are just feel like we're constantly on a journey of just only trying to find a partner. And that's, and it's like the main goal in life. So therefore within our relationship with God, sometimes we can seek that within our faith journey. So we're seeking for those words that, that help encourage that lifestyle and for the, the little things that will make us feel more positive about a relationship that we're in or the fact that we're talking to this guy or this girl and we want that confirmation and it's so much pressure on it that actually no mates no dates no babies and it should I feel we need to get back to that more organic relaxed totally pressure off that you don't your life does not revolve around a husband or a wife yeah that's really good um 
And that's so interesting. I knew that he'd like renounced, sorry, just doubling back to the book or I could stay in goodbye. I know that he'd renounced his belief, but I didn't know that he'd not become a Christian, but I actually remember reading that book. So, um, I mean, it is a very old book, but when I was 18, 19, I'd gone through like this really, really, really bad, messy breakup. And I, um, somebody gave me the book, I think, and I read it and I was like, I'm not going to date anyone until, you know, until I know for sure that I, like, I'm going to marry them, blah, blah, blah. And I think looking back now, I'm like, that's so ridiculous because how do you know what you even want? And I'm, and I'm totally not advocating for like, just serially going out with people with no intention behind it. But I think there is, there is nothing wrong with just having coffees with people and figuring out what you like and what you don't like. And I think, you know, when it comes to friendships, whenever I meet someone that I think, oh, I, I think I'd be really good friends with this person. I think we could be good friends. I'll normally invite them out for a drink or invite them out for a meal and, you know, try and get to know them and figure out whether or not we're compatible platonically. And I think if you're that intentional about your platonic friendships and wanting to make sure that, you know, this is someone that is worth investing in as a friend, I don't know why that would be wrong to do that with somebody that you are one with until Jesus comes. Like surely that's uh, on an even higher scale. Um, And I think it took me a really long time to come around to the idea that just going out for coffee with people was an okay thing to do. So my boss, shout out to my boss, um, he would say to like our young adults, just go out for coffee with this person. And they'd be like, well, what if I don't think he's the kind of person that I want to marry? And he'd be like, you don't know that. Just go out for coffee with them and see what that feels like. And at first I used to like really go against and be like you can't say that like we're just setting this up to be bad like you can't just be seriously going out with all these different people but I think now I'm like okay I completely get where his thinking behind this is in because I think in in most things you think you have an ideal of what you want and it isn't until you actually see what that plays out in front of you that you realize whether or not you're right or wrong and I think just going out and just getting to know people without the without the pressure and without the the heaviness of is this person gonna be my my soulmate like is an okay thing to do yeah i i totally i totally agree i think there's just not enough focus and teaching on on healthy dating on how to do dating well without the pressure and you know especially and I think that has to be implemented from not a super young age but especially in like youth groups I think it's important because um we want to create a culture as well that where people are honest and that's one of the biggest things with dating or Christian dating that I've experienced um is that people don't communicate properly in regards to how they feel or how to not to break up with someone but to tell someone they don't like them like it's all that like even basic conflict resolution stuff um and i know that so many people who would have saved so much heartache at a younger age if their friends had been honest enough in a kind way to say i don't see you that way or like let's not hang out and um I know that takes a level of maturity too, but I think that's really important and something we should be teaching in youth groups 
um, especially in the kind of culture that we're in where we hide behind our Instagrams and we always like social media and we can like pretend to be someone else or, you know, there is a culture of just like getting with as many people as you can, like all like, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think teaching healthy dating to help with this like kind of purity culture um, stuff because the healthy dating then helps lead on to healthy conversations about sex. Whereas I feel like this toxic like shame around dating then just feeds into the, the shame that people feel around the talking about sex and the mistakes and all of that stuff. So I think it's, I think they connect into each other. So I guess how can purity culture kind of damage our view of sex and relationships? Like how has it damaged our view? Um, how, how can it, like, if there are things that you might've heard or things that you've heard taught or just in general, your own experiences that have may have damaged your idea of, of sex and relationships because of purity culture. I think for myself, I think, as I said earlier, what my uh, understanding of purity culture has this feeling of like all the don'ts and not much of the do's. And so to me, why that's damaging in ways is that we're telling our young people or we're telling people generations of why they can't have sex, that they can't have sex before marriage, but at no point have we explained why. And we're not talking about the the actual heart of purity, the heart of God within purity. And it's not that you just can't have sex. It's because it's so special. You have to handle that carefully. And so if we're talking about that aspect of it, we need to be actually explaining to people or to our young people why it's important to, to actually see that as something very special that needs to be handled carefully. When you just say to someone, don't do this, with no context, with no understanding of why, people then either rebel, because there's no reason for them to root for anything else, or there's just this thing of, well, it kind of goes over your head a little bit, because you're like, well, there's nothing rooted in me to, to make a foundation understanding of why this is a good thing to be carrying, and not only to be a good thing to carry, but actual value that I want to hold within my life and encourage and help my friends around me to also hold that value. And so I think it's damaging because we're just creating this culture of you can't and you can, and you're telling people what to do. And then all of a sudden that when people make mistakes, it's, there's no grace left. There's no grace within the mistakes because it's like, well, it's almost like hidden that we all know why, but actually no one knows why we we do this why we want to hold um our purity before marriage and i think that's where for me personally it became really damaging because i was just told constantly don't have sex before marriage don't have sex before marriage and then when i fell away from my faith a little bit i was like well i'm not really into this jesus thing at the minute so uh i don't have to necessarily keep my virginity anymore because you know whatever it's just the church telling me not to. So if I'm not in the church, I can do what I want. And I think that was part of my thinking when I went out and I was clubbing every week and I was like, well, I can kiss any guy that I want because I'm not having to turn up on a Sunday to church and have to, you know, follow their rules. But when you explain why, it becomes something that you believe in and it becomes your rule. And then all of a sudden there's a change in perspective of how we approach a subject because 
actually something that I want to see in my life, not just something I want to make sure my youth leader doesn't get me into trouble when I do it. So I think that's how, for me personally, it's been damaging from my perspective on it. That's so well explained, Amy. Um, I think I 100% agree. I think I think whenever I hear purity being um, discussed or talked about or um, preached, the whole emphasis is on um, not having sex. Um, you know, making sure that you stick to boundaries when you're dating, and and it basically is the whole foundation is on sex that and that alone and actually when you really get into it in the bible purity is about your heart it's about you know how you're living all of that kind of stuff and i think we've all volunteered in churches we've all we've all been leaders and you know that you can meet people who have ticked the you know some of the stuff that we're told we're not supposed to do like we're supposed to keep our virginity etc etc but the way that they live their lives in terms of how they treat people and and you know their pridefulness and things like that are struggles and they you know they're not very good at that sort of thing and they speak to people really horribly but they're still a virgin and it's like that's still a part of purity culture like how you treat people how you view um how you view the imago day and how that dictate how you see and how you love people and I don't know like I think it just makes me sad because what it means is that we've got multiple generations that have gone into relationships and into marriages and like you were saying earlier Sophie like who've gone into it with just like a really skewed version of what sex is supposed to be like because it's like on, on the one hand they've spent their whole life saving themselves for this for this one night where as soon as you say I do it's as if the switch is supposed to come off and it doesn't and uh, it kind of makes the whole experience of intimacy really difficult and and harder than what it should be or they have really high expectations of what intimacy is supposed to be based on the fact that you know they see uh, that night or their virginity as like a prize like because I've waited this long it's like it's going to be this massive thing and then and then if it isn't it's like why did I wait this long purity is a bunch of nonsense I should have just done it before and and maybe then it would have been good and and it's like I've genuinely had conversations with people and they've said this to me and I completely understand how they've arrived at this conclusion because we we speak about it and we teach it as if it's this it's sort of like in order to get A, you have to do B. And it's like, that's totally not what it is. And and I'm married now and I'm allowed to have sex, but that doesn't mean that purity has gone out the window. Like I, Jesus is still going to have to present me pure and blameless to the father at some point. And that is what purity culture is. The fact that he's continuously refining me, continuously taking up my, my blemishes, continuously doing all that work so that I can be what? pure and blameless like and like I don't know why it's taken us so long to get to this and I don't know why we're having to discover this by ourselves when this should be something that is is just a given like whether or not you have your virginity is not a sign of how pure you are you can have your virginity and still be on pure because you are 
you gossip all the time and you lie and you go out and you get drunk with your friends on a continuous basis that is not what it is yes 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 preach it Vanessa really funnily I did I wanted to like (laughs) hop in there um when you were talking about um you know Christians thinking like then they're like they lead up to their wedding night and their wedding night is going to be like this most like beautiful amazing experience ever because it's like what they've been waiting for and you know for lots of people it is like a really beautiful moment etc but it does put a lot of pressure on things and the thing is I actually had a comedian say like he's not a Christian guy um say a joke the other day um in a comedy act and he was like I'm not good at sex yet and he went on to say like he went on to say like you don't give someone a guitar and they're an amazing guitarist after doing it once like even after a year then still might not be the best guitarist in the world on there unless they're like obscenely naturally gifted and it's the same with sex <laughs> i just thought it was funny because it's so true like you have to practice something to start getting good at it and i think those kind of conversations we kind of romanticize in christianity sex and like the wedding night and don't realize you know it might time to like get used to each other to get used to each other's bodies to like experience that to stand in front of each other naked like all of those things that encompass they don't get spoken about it's all so much from a like you know, two become one, and then, as the Spice Girls say, um, <laughs> and um, and it's just, and they all lived happily ever after. Live happily ever after, and they're like, oh, we just felt so connected with each other on that night, and it's just like, it's like, you know, if neither of you have had sex, like, obviously. <laughs> it's gonna be a little bit fumbly and um you know I've heard of of, I've got friends who've been disappointed they've been really upset and disappointed because they're just like oh it wasn't what it was or like I didn't I didn't enjoy it didn't really enjoy it and like they're not feeling like they can talk about it because they're married now and it's meant to be this beautiful transcendent experience which it can be but it doesn't mean you don't have to like practice it a bit but um but yeah I just I think what you're saying was was great Vanessa like all of that um I think for me in terms of like what's damaged me um what I have found the most most damaging for me with sex and relationships in terms of like how things were taught or how things like um were explained to me I um when I read I Kiss Dating Goodbye it was a boy that gave it to me to read a man that gave it to me to read and I have always felt my entire Christian life that it's always been my responsibility like my responsibility to not um you know to to not sexually attract anyone to me like my responsibility to dress modestly so so men wouldn't lust after me or um 
they wouldn't get the wrong impression. Like it was the focus I felt was always on me. Like in, and even in a relationship, I still felt that it was me. And it was also my fault if, if things weren't right and things did go wrong or there was a mistake, it was my fault and not the guy and, and not the other person. And, um, I, you know, I, I dated someone in, in, in a leadership position for a very long time, um, on and off. And it, it, it always felt like, you know, it, what, it was my responsibility to dress well, to like not show skin or even wear anything remotely fitting because I could, it wasn't just him I had to be responsible for. I had to be responsible for every boy that could have possibly seen me as well and you know that's a real heavy load to to carry um because every mistake we made and we made a lot of mistakes I felt like it was my fault and I was the one who was unholy I was the one who was causing this to happen and if he was to just sometimes it felt like if he was just to cut me out of my life the same problems wouldn't happen if he was with another girl it wouldn't happen. And the, the reason why he fell into sin, it was, it was my fault. It, it was because he was with me. And that damaged my ideas around sex and, and love even um, to, to a real severe degree. And so when stuff like that happens, you feel like then um, you go the opposite way you do everything you can to like get away from stuff. So then there was a period of time in my life where I just didn't want to be that person anymore. So I went as far away from that as I possibly could and pushed all the boundaries I could and, and felt more thought at the time I felt more free because of it, but it was an equally as damaging environment for me and it took me a long long time to kind of get to the middle ground of that and to get to the balance of what I thought purity was like why why was I keeping myself from marriage like what was I why who was I doing that for and for so long I felt like I was you know, I was doing it for my future it was a gift that I was giving my future husband because that is how it was always portrayed to me and you know and at the same time I had this whole shame thing going on I was like well who's going to want me because I'm not a virgin I you know I've lost my virginity am I now you know worthless to people worthless to boys and the amount of guys I you know I've spoken to who who want to be with a virgin it's like some strange like fantasy almost it's not even like that's not biblical you know it's it's like some strange thing in their head. They want to be the only ones that, um, that kind of have that or take, feels like takes it from them. Um, and so I, just the shame was just crazy for me. And then when, I went to Bible college and I met Gareth, what that flipped into was fear, like fear of being caught or being seen or being, and it got so bad. Like, you know, I was just so freaked out that 
I'd be kicked out or I would be like, I know it's, it's just, I, you know, I had a fear of people, you know, of getting into trouble and not being able to finish my degree. And, you know, it was sometimes, it could, it was sometimes crippling that, that fear of, of like people knowing we could have been doing something or whatever, or not being able to, I didn't feel like any mistakes that we made, I, I could speak to someone about because I didn't know if that was going to get passed on to someone. I felt like I couldn't be accountable to anyone because I didn't necessarily trust anyone to keep stuff confidential. And um, so that mix of shame and fear was a huge thing for me. And, you know, I, I just don't believe that we really openly spoke about sex, like really, really openly. And I think that's really important, especially in a young adult environment as well, where like the fact is everyone's thinking it. It's absolute crap <laughs> when people are like, no, you, no, we don't, we don't, we're not attracted to people. We're not thinking about, we're not struggling with sex or whatever. The fact is everyone is, everyone's young, everyone's horny. It's a thing. Women are horny, men are horny. It's not, you know masturbation is a thing on both sides porn is a thing on both sides like all of these conversations that it's funny that purity culture gets so so like you you need to be adhering to these rules etc about sex and all these things but then they won't openly have the conversations about the mistakes and about some of the temptations and things it's just a really weird like I don't know. They almost like butt heads with each other slightly. Um. Yeah, I, I I completely get where you're coming from. I think um, even going back to the point of you saying that you felt like you had to cover yourself up, I feel like a lot of us were kind of I don't know, like the way that we were taught modesty is so bizarre. Like I actually remember people saying to me. Like, oh, you know, just don't wear short skirts and don't wear tops that, you know, are too tight or or whatever. And I agree with all those points. I, I, I definitely don't think people should wear things that are um, too revealing and, and too sexualized. However, the reason why they said we shouldn't do it is, oh, because, you know, when you're when you're in worship on a Sunday and you're just worship, like raising your hand up, you want you don't want to be distracting you know, Tom, Dick and Harry from doing their worship as well. And it's like, why is it my, I, oh, like when I stand in front of Jesus, like, yes, I'm going to have to account for, for other people, but those are people who are directly under my ministries. Like I'm going to have to account for my children. If God gives me them, um, I'm going to have to account for my young people. I'm going to have to account for whatever territory God gives me in, in the future. But I think to, to make teenage girls feel like, before they've even figured out their own relationship with God, that they are directly responsible for how another boy or another human being um, deals with their sexuality, I think is so toxic. And um, I, you know, when I was um, a teenager, um, I don't know about you guys, but the thing that was really in fashion back then were, you know, those like H&M tube uh, uh, skirts. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. Um, so everybody used to wear them and I wore mine with like a, a baggy top, but obviously they're still short and they're still tight, like the, the little skirts. 
And I used to go into church wearing that because I genuinely didn't feel like that anything was wrong with that. And when I decided to stop dressing like that, it wasn't out of a place of fear or out of a place of like, I want to make sure I'm not distracting so-and-so. It was literally like I'd completely fallen in love with Jesus and it was like, okay, God, your Bible tells me that um, you bought me at a price and that I like my body is your temple and I want to make sure I'm honouring you. So I'm not going to wear anything that is that can be seen as promiscuous. Like I'm not going to wear something. And if I'm honest, a, a reason why I wore clothes like that was to gain male attention. So it was like, I, God, I, I'm taking responsibility of my motive behind wearing this. But that took a level of discipleship. Like that took a level of awareness that only comes through journeying with Jesus and reading your Bible and praying and worshiping and all of those things. It didn't come from some leader telling me this is why we do it because otherwise what would have happened I would have just gone back to doing it or I would have not done it at church but would have done it at school and done it when I went to other places so I think when we take Jesus out of the equation and when we take the fact that when I'm when we're saying to our teenage girls or to our teenage boys don't behave like this or don't wear this we're not doing it so that they don't distract other people although that is an element to it we're supposed to be doing it from a place of honor God with who you are like honor God with with what he's given you honor God with your body and instead of shaming them because sometimes you like I've got a teenage girl and she's not a teenager anymore but she is full-figured and you know sometimes uh girls who are from the Afro-Caribbean community tend to be a bit fuller you know they've got they've got bums they've got they've just got the kind of figure that you see on Instagram etc etc naturally and um she was wearing like skinny jeans and a top and it wasn't that it was um a promiscuous outfit it's just that that's just the way her body is built and somebody had made her had said to her if you're going to wear jeans like that you need to wear a top that goes over your bum completely because it's distracting and it basically sent her into a spiral of thinking there was something wrong with her body and thinking that you know it the way that god had made her wasn't okay and i and i think that's how when we teach on purity and modesty we have a level of responsibility to not take away god's image from people and i think when we're teaching it and we're saying you know you can't wear this because your body looks like this or you can't wear this because you're gonna be distracting so and so it takes away their amargo day and it takes away their beauty and and their the way that god has made them and that makes me angry because what it ends up doing is alienating them from God and they get, it takes them a lot longer to reach places where they might have made these decisions by themselves. Like, I'm not going to dress like this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go out drinking with my friends out of a genuine place of relationship and out of surrendering another piece of themselves to Jesus. And instead sends them into this fear hole of like living two lives, like, on Sunday, I'm going to be this person. And when I go to cell group, I'm going to be this person. But, you know, when I'm out with my friends who are secular, when I'm at college or uni or whatever, I'm going to turn up and I'm going to do whatever I need to do. But I just need to make sure that all of that is washed off before I go to church. And that's definitely not what we want. We don't want a generation of teenagers or of people in general who are living double lives. We want people who are genuinely in love with Jesus and are making decisions that fall in line with the Bible not out of fear mongering but out of knowing that they are first and foremost gods and because of that they want to make sure they're living their life to reflect that to others but first and foremost to god 
that's their responsibility not making sure that they're pure for some boy in youth group who can't control himself yes and i i yeah and that's it like i just read here rather than celebrating the many wonderful things about the physical shapes god has given them women and girls are encouraged to see their bodies solely as possible temptations to men and that also falls in line with this idea of like um our virginity is the only thing that's makes us worth anything and those focuses are both awful awful toxic statements um and it just like that story about that girl that just makes me so sad and so frustrated and the damage that gets like inflicted on yeah on on women i just think is just really hard and and that's why i you know i'm really interested in in finding kind of like a male perspective like chatting to guys and being like what is your experience of purity culture have you had that before like is it something that's not spoken about in guy circles at all like um i'm really fascinated to know if they know some of these kind of struggles because i think there is still a patriarchal aspect to this as well for me i've never had a woman women women i've never had a woman tell me anything about my clothes or anything like that it's always been men it's always been men who have like told me things about what i'm wearing or purity culture or anything like that i've never seen really had um never had experiences of women coming up to me apart from this really old lady who said I looked like a man because of what I was wearing but I guessed it was modest at least oh apart from my apart from my jeans I'd ripped jeans on she said my knees would apparently be a distraction and that if I was to fall in the spirit they'd have to cover me with a modesty blanket because my knees were too naked but like I mean that's a massively extreme I but yeah other than that she's an old crazy lady. Um so f- for me I think with beauty culture that has always been like a patriarchal a- patriarchal aspect to that where I feel like it is very much it is more dictated by a male presence or it has at least been in my life been dictated more by by males that's obviously not for everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We really hope that you enjoyed it. And we're even more excited that next week we'll be able to continue the episode and continue the conversation around purity culture. Please remember that if there's anything that we spoke about today that you'd love to just chat through some more, then you're welcome to DM us through our um, Instagram, whether that's our personal or our Common Ground podcast Instagram as well. We will see you next time.